Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Four Comic Junkies podcast. When the comics aren't enough and you need a little extra fix. I'm your host, JJ Hodges. And today I have a very special guest with me via telephone communicator device, Miss Chelsea Logan. Say hi, Chelsea. Oh my gosh, hello. So exciting to listen to you do this. I know, it's so much fun. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I'm, thank you for asking me. I'm honestly very flattered. Oh yeah, you know, I. well the thing is, is that I thought of you for this topic, uh, which we'll get into. Uh, so... For those of you who don't know, because obviously you probably don't know us personally, um, <laughs> Chelsea and I met uh, about three years ago at New York Comic Con. Um, I was dressed as Emperor Joker, and she was Harley Quinn. And I was like, well, I got to get a picture with Harley. So, you know, I was like, hey, can we get a picture? And you're like, sure. And then, you know, we ended up, we we're in line, you know, because in Comic Con, you're basically in line for 99% of the time. Like, that is Comic Con. So, you know, so we just started talking, and we ended up both kind of bonding, which is pretty normal at a Comic-Con. You know, you're surrounded by nerds, basically. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, we've been pretty good friends ever since. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, so today we are talking, the topic is comics and feminism. And we are talking Harley Quinn, everyone's favorite Mistress of Mischief, Milady of Mayhem. I think I made both of those up. Um, you actually didn't. Those are very common names for her, so those are very good. Oh, right. So, I like the Milady one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Chelsea, you, you know, like I said, when I met you, you were cosplaying as Harley. Um, mm-hmm. When when did you first get into the character? It was a very weird roundabout way. Um, I was watching... Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy, and I was like, oh, I really like this character. So then I went and I learned that Poison Ivy had, like, no comics except for the Gotham City Sirens, mm-hmm. and so I went and read that, and I fell in love with Harley through that uh, version of her, and then instantly I had to go pick it up. It was only, like, maybe, I guess, four years ago I started reading and, like, super absolutely devouring everything with Harley Quinn. I just thought that, like, she was so funny and she was so messed up but still endearing at the same time. And it was just so nice to see that version of a woman in comics because everything else I had read was just, like, the perfect woman, which is always just really hard to relate to for almost anybody. Like a Wonder Woman type. Oh, absolutely. Like, I I love everything about Wonder Woman and everything she stands for, but it's not like I can really see myself in Wonder Woman. I can, and not that I'm going around like murdering people like Harley Quinn, but like I can see myself and the, the choices she makes are based off of her emotions, mm-hmm. not necessarily just what's right. Right. Um, so I, I got into Harley. Uh, I, I remember like as a kid watching the animated series and she, mm-hmm. and she was, you know, obviously main character there. And, and at the time I, I didn't really realize that she wasn't, you know, she was created for the show um, and, and finding out, reading about her later and everything, realizing that, oh, they, they created her because, uh, you know, they wanted to give Joker kind of a kooky hench girl the same way that like the Adam West show, they always had kooky hench girls for all the different villains. Um, and then, you know, it was Paul Dini that wrote her and he just kind of kept putting her into scripts and they kept using her and she just 
very quickly became a fan favorite. Uh, definitely uh, one of my favorites. Um, yeah. 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 And, and like you said, she's just she's so funny and quirky and um, and I think my my favorite episode is uh, Harley's holiday with her. Um, oh yes. It's it and it's it's so cute because it's it's her it's literally the first episode where there's no Joker in the episode. So it's mm-hmm. it's all about Harley and her journey and it's it's basically like a it's kind of a sitcom trope where there's a misunderstanding and she she has to try and kind of clear her name and it it's really what what it speaks to me about Batman in particular cuz Batman's my favorite character you know is that he's you know he says to Robin the whole episode this is just a misunderstanding we have to help her and Robin's just kind of yeah. like yeah okay but it, and then at the end of the episode you know i there's you know i've seen memes of it it's so cute when you know all she wanted to do was buy a dress and she bought it but they forgot to take the security tag and that's when the whole episode goes off she says no no i paid for it i paid for it and they're like no we just want to take the tag off she's like get away from me i you know i i paid for it um and then at the end of the episode they take her back to arkham and her doctor says well we'll do a little bit more work with you and and she looks at Batman and says, I've given you nothing but grief. Why did you, you know, go out of your way for me? And he says, I know what it's like to have a bad day. I had a bad day once, too. And he gives her the dress. And, you know, and she says, nice guys like you shouldn't have a bad day. And I'm kind of tearing up actually talking about it because it's that's that's my favorite version of Batman. The Batman that believes in redemption for his for his enemies. No, absolutely, because that was the one thing I loved about that episode was it shows that, like, both of them still, that, like, the good and the evil can still relate to one another, Mm -hmm. I think that's, like, one of my favorite things about, I think this quote I read about Harley was the fact that people, like, complicate her so much, like, oh, she's black and white, it's really confusing, but, like, the fact is that she's just literally gray, like, she doesn't, she cannot be defined she never makes a perfectly good choice or a perfectly bad choice. And the fact that, like, Batman can relate to that in that situation kind of shows you that, like, yeah, he's a quote-unquote stereotypically good guy, but he also, he gets it. Yeah. He understands he can relate. Yeah, and, and that, uh, that that speaks a lot to me. And, like, when I was a kid, it was just, like, you know, they were just, like, fun shows to watch. But it's amazing, the show in general, how much it holds up. And, you know, and, and like I said, that episode in particular I can watch and as an adult, really appreciate the, the, the very mature storytelling that they did with that. Um, Absolutely, yeah. So, what about uh, what about Harley speaks to you as a fan? Uh, I de- <clears throat> sorry, I definitely think that the main thing that I relate to is the fact that she wears her heart on her sleeve, mm-hmm. and so instantly it just makes her vulnerable and fragile while she's still incredibly strong. Yeah. Uh, because I think that that's one of the problems that I had when I first started trying to read comics was um, all of the characters were just incredibly stoic and they did the right thing. And yeah, they had some confusing moments, but they always ended up doing the right thing at the right time. Yeah. And the thing that I enjoyed about Harley was she was able to be flawed and make the wrong choices and still be sexy and still be allowed to do and wear whatever she wants. But it was all with good intention because even if she was doing something because she was under the guise of her incredibly abusive relationship with the Joker, Mm -hmm. she did it because she thought that was what was right. 
And I think that it puts a more human face to comics. Yeah. Instead of just something that's just a a trope of what good and evil is. Right. And and I think that uh, especially in in recent years, um, you know, she's definitely become uh, a feminist icon. You know, uh, in terms of yeah, she's very having overcome an abusive relationship and trauma. You know, it, it's I I think about that a lot, and I don't know it's it's part of my issue with the the Suicide Squad movie, which I did enjoy for the most part. Uh, especially Margot Robbie's performance. I mean, she's fantastic in it. Um, but I I didn't like the way they portrayed the Joker as kind of just lovesick over her. I was like, mm, yes. he's, I don't think he would be. It's, I think the way they should have portrayed him, the way he was in the animated series, it's, it's more of a matter of possession for him, which is... I'm, yeah, I think that they, they tried to do that in that movie, and it was just executed incredibly poorly. Yeah. Like, in the scene where he's laying down, he has all of his possessions just, like, like sprawled around him. Mm-hmm. I think it was just done really poorly, because I think that it came across, exactly what you said, it came across like he was lovesick, when I think it was just supposed to be that she was another one of his weapons. Right. And, and it, I just think that was done so, yeah, so that's, that's a different story. <laughs> no, no, it, it, no, you're, you're totally right, and um, I, I think that's kind of how they they played her in the animated series. There were, there were kind of sweet moments between the two of them. Um, but for the most part, you're looking at them, especially Mad Love, um, which I think is, you know, uh, when I was a kid reading it, I, I remember thinking it was one of like the best stories I ever read. And I still think that, but it, uh, it's also kind of a, it's kind of a cautionary tale a little bit about falling in love with the wrong guy or person, really, you know, because, you know, anybody can go through that. But I think it's obviously more common with women. There's just a, you know, especially the Joker in that very much just when he doesn't want her, he just he casts her off to the side. And then when he when he wants her and she's not there, he's he's furious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that that's I think the thing about Harley that I love one, like when I say she's flawed is that she gives a voice and kind of puts you in the mindset of someone who has gone through a domestic abuse relationship. Yeah. I think that that was one of the things I saw that Margot Robbie was talking about, how she had a really difficult time understanding why Harley would keep going back to the Joker. Mm -hmm. And her acting coach recommended reading interviews of people who had gone through domestic relationships. And instantly she understood a little bit deeper about the character because it's, it's something that, you just can't explain it. You keep going back because there's something emotionally. And we, I think to some extent have all done that. We've all gone back after a bad relationship that we know really, we probably, well, I shouldn't say we all, but a lot of us go back to relationships that we know we probably shouldn't go back to. Mm-hmm. And because there's something that draws us to that person, that's just inexplicable. Yeah. And I think that that's what I love seeing in like Mad Love and, and kind of all, and even the newer renditions of her, like I think that, you get to see that a little bit more, that there's just something that you can't explain about the relationship that just keeps the two together. Right. And, uh, you know, I have a friend uh, that was in an abusive relationship, and and we all, I remember, it was this was years ago, my, my friends and I, we all kind of noticed just certain things that would happen, and we'd say, you know, 
we'd be like, hey, man, it's it's not okay that you talk to her that way. And she and she just kind of say, oh, well, he's not like that when you're not around. And it's that's sort of like the classic. Of course. Yeah. Thing, you know, and just and that always rubbed me the wrong way. Like, hey, that but that's not okay. You know, that that he and I'd say that. And I remember when they got engaged, I I said that to her. I was like, I'm surprised you said yes. I really am. And she kind of laughed and she's like, well, we've been together for two years. I was like, yeah, two years, the next 50, you know, that's the same thing. And, yeah. and, and she kind of just shrugged it off. And it wasn't until years later, uh, uh, a friend of mine sent me, uh, when I had moved away, he sent me his mugshot and said, you know, he was arrested and, you know, and I read the thing and it was like, you know, abuse or domestic abuse or what, you know, whatever the charge was. And, and I, texted her and I said, what is going on here? And she was like, I finally had enough. And I was like, good for you. you know? Oh yeah, seriously. It, you know, I was so incredibly proud of her in that moment. And, and I think that we all, you know, like you said, well, maybe, maybe not everybody, but yeah, we all have that. And, you know, I've, I've had relationships where there's just something about the person that whatever it is, it's, it's the sexual attraction. It, there's a physical attraction or a, emotional or whatever it is that you you're kind of like well this makes up for the other stuff when it, it shouldn't yeah and i think that that's the that's the part that you just can't explain yeah there are no words to you can like kind of like what your friend said like you, you can keep explaining like well it's not the same when you're not around but mm-hmm. it, it probably is it's just that the person's blinded by their love for something else about that person yeah the i remember saying to uh one of our mutual friends saying that i think what had happened was she grew up in a house where like her father treated her mother that way so in somewhere Uh in her brain it was like well this is how a man treats a woman so it's okay and and my friend looked at me and said you're a hundred percent right about that and and that and that broke my heart you know Oh, absolutely. That's like the, uh, not the comic version of Mad Love, but there's the novel version of Mad Love for Harley. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole entire hundred pages of talking about her childhood. And not that her dad was abusive, but her dad was a criminal and, you know, got arrested. And it kind of gave you like, it it fleshed that out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I definitely think, yeah, that's probably something like there is not childhood trauma per se, but there's just something that you've learned and accepted and there's a certain attraction to that just animalistically yeah. so all, i think that's something that definitely plays a part into it yeah absolutely like we're all just you know i mean you there's nature versus nurture and we can't kind of escape that there's there's that deep-seated stuff when you're a kid you're you know the way they describe it it's like you're a sponge you just you take mm-hmm. in everything so you kind of grow up like and I think it, it explains a lot about why people are the way they are. Um, as much as, you know, you want to say, well, you can't blame everything on the parents. Well, that is 100% true. But, you know, you those are, uh, you know, Zachary Levi, the way he described it, it's like he had, because uh, he was, you know, he was abused by his mother. He said, I had bad programming as a kid, and I had to find a way to get new programming you know it was like the 
kind of the best way he could describe it. And I and I read and I was listening to that, and I I like I started crying, and I was like, he's so right. That's the perfect way to describe it. You know? Yeah, definitely. Like you have those the building blocks; they're really hard to break down. Yeah. And so, just because someone can't do doesn't make them weak, but it definitely makes someone incredibly strong if they're able to move past those traumas. Right, and it's it's a personal journey that everybody has to go through, and you can have every single one of your friends saying to you, uh, "Hey, you know this isn't right." Like in the case with my friend, we were all looking at her, going, "Hey, this isn't okay. This isn't okay," and she would just shrug us off. You know, kind of like you said, the, you know, well, you just don't understand. But it got to the point where it was like it for whatever reason, it finally clicked with her. And I'm glad it did. You know, they they have they have a little kid together, you know, this beautiful little baby. And or we're no, she's not a baby anymore. Where is she? She's, she's like, oh my they're God. always babies now at this <laughs> point. Well, I because I, it's like, you know, I think that about uh, some of my friends. I'm like, I was there when your baby was born. I held them like just a few hours after the fact. Um, and it's, you know, it's like, it's like that with my kid, you know, she's always going to be my baby, you know, like, of course. Yeah. She'll be 30 and I'll be saying that, but, (laughs) Uh, but you know, we're getting, we're getting a lot deeper than I thought we would today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, actually, you know, it's, it's funny because, uh, a friend, uh, my, uh, my friend uh, Jesse, girl Jesse, because there's boy Jesse who comes on too. Yes. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he or she and I talked about uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and how it, you know, the, the nice thing about uh, fiction, especially like science fiction or comic books in general, the reason that I, I love them so much is they can really tell these very real stories, but they can mask them with the, the costumes and the action. And it isn't until afterwards you're like, oh, wow, like that, that actually was telling a story. Um, and we were saying that about Buffy, how Buffy was very, very good about that. Um, and, and I think that Harley, with Harley, it's the, the mask of the fiction is just a little bit, it's more of a veil, you know what I mean? Uh, you, you, can, you can see it in there and the way that Joker really just poisoned her mind and promised her the world and and if for whatever reason she didn't deliver you know he he'd drop her in a second but then if he needed her again he'd be like hey where are you i need you Um, yeah i mean i think that's what i loved about um jimmy connor jimmy connor amanda connor and jimmy palmiotti's like version of her Mm -hmm. because they took her away she was gone like 100 percent, but I think that there's there's one part where she goes back to visit him, mm-hmm. and it and they even tied it into the, like the Suicide Squad too, where the, you know she thinks she's he's dead, and just be, the thing I loved about it was just because the person has a few missteps doesn't make them completely a failure, right? Because in both versions, you know she's trying to move past in Suicide Squad because she thinks he's dead, and literally goes crazy cutting his face off and like making it putting it on that shot making out with him yeah i remember that and then you have you know where she goes back to kind of visit him in gotham to she she has like that sense of closure Mm -hmm. and she's not and then from there she's able to start moving past and dating other people and discovering more about herself and her sexuality and what it means for her to be independent and Mm -hmm. i think that 
that was what I loved about the new content that's been created about her was it's so because you can't completely ignore that like that is a dynamic duo that is going to be part of her past always right but just because she goes back to that past doesn't necessarily mean that she's wrong or weak or a failure which is why I do think that she like what kind of what you said earlier I don't know if she's a feminist role model but I definitely think she's a feminist icon because I don't think people should necessarily I think that there are things that you can aspire to do similar to her Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of things that, like, she still does things wrong. Like, you you know, your response to something because you're angry shouldn't be to go and slap bat across someone's face. But you should be able to express what you're feeling instead of keeping it bottled up because that's how bad blood boils down, kind of all of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and the interesting thing about her is that she's, she's on a list. She was... I don't want to say one of the first, because not necessarily, but there's sort of a list of of the Batman rogues where they're they kind of have moved past the role of being the villain, and they're kind of not necessarily heroes. I guess, quote unquote, I don't really like this term, but antiheroes. You know, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, there's there's Catwoman who's always kind of skirted the line between villain and hero, um, but then there's you know. Uh, there's Clayface in uh, the Detective Comics arc, the James uh, Tinian, Tinian, however you say his name. Um, I have, yeah. 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 Me names are not friends. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's, well, either way, he's a fantastic writer and he... Yeah, absolutely. And he made Clayface uh, part of the Bat team, which I thought was very strange. Uh, but it, at least at first, and then I was reading it and I was like, oh, this is, this is cool. And he was doing kind of the same thing with him. Like, I want to atone for my mistakes. And Batman would say, I believe you. So let me help you. And and now Poison Ivy's on the list, which really surprises me. Because I always thought of Poison, yeah. Poison Ivy being the epitome of a, a, a... She has good intentions, but it's like the road to hell is paved with good intentions, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, where she's just... She kind of gives, you know, people with a green thumb a bad name, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> and... But at the same time, I like that now there's there's a little bit more of a push to make her more of a heroic character. And, and there seems to be, or, or there is, I guess, uh, a romantic relationship between Harley and Ivy, um, mm-hmm. which which I didn't expect. Because I always liked the idea of thinking of them as, like, best friends. Um, but now it's like, oh, wow, they're, you know, they're, they're I think they're lovers or, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, there, uh, the whole, that whole entire thing, uh, at first, not that I was upset about it, because I'm so excited to see representation mm-hmm. in the comics, um, but I, I thought it was a little unfounded, just because I thought it diminished their friendship mm-hmm. a little bit, because kind of like what you said, you are able to just have friends that are girls and be incredibly close to them, mm-hmm. and it doesn't necessarily have to be sexual. Mm-hmm. However, it definitely did make sense, because... Harley is the kind of character who has so much love and I not to classify her as polyamorous because I wouldn't, but in the same kind of respect where it's just, she has so much love to give people. And I, I have always kind of thought that poison Ivy will never be able to love something as much as she loves her plants. Right. And so I think that it's a really healthy balance. Their relationship kind of makes sense that they would be drawn to one another yeah. In that way, because Harley will always understand that and 
I don't think that Poison's ever going to get jealous about the fact that Harley might flirt with, you know, X, Y, Z. Right. And I think that it made sense the more I thought about it. But at first I was kind of like, I felt like, I guess, a cop-out because it felt like I would have rather them introduce a new character. Mm-hmm. But then I realized, ah, it makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, I, I agree that it's... <laughs> It's definitely an uh, unexpected turn of events in the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, but I guess uh, it, it, there, there, there is some reality to it where, you know, it's possible to have had a friend and then all of a sudden you kind of look at this person and go, oh, wow, now I, I have more feelings towards this person than I, than I thought I did. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. And, you know, I think we're all guilty of that at some point in our lives. Um, and I, you know, it's something that you know I've never really admitted to this, but like I, I, I struggled with the whole when I was a kid. Uh, I was super like when I was really young, I was super awkward around girls, and then as I got older, when it was like, oh, you know, like it turns out that I can, I can just be friends with girls as opposed to always thinking of them in a, I wonder if they would date me kind of a way. You know, when, when I was, like, 15, I was, like, super weird. But <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm still, like, that around, guys. I, like, go for eye contact. So, tease me your ways, but. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not completely over it, but <laughs> I'm just a little bit better about it. Or at least I, I'm sort of just aware of it. <laughs> like, sure, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I know what I'm supposed to do now. Do I do it? No. <laughs> I know what the right thing to do is, you know. But... <laughs> yeah. Like, should I, I have to wake up at 9 a.m. to do a podcast, but am I going to have a couple more beers because we're watching Shaun of the Dead? Absolutely. 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 <laughs> um, oh, this uh, off topic, but uh, I, I was at a Halloween party last night because at the time of this recording, it, it's right before Halloween. Um, probably by the time this airs, it'll be like February. But anyway, <laughs> um, but anyway, when, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Uh somebody came in dressed as suicide squad harley and you know just you know you live in new york and i live in pennsylvania and i was like and i thought it was you for a second i don't know why she just ran by and just like the corner of my eye i saw her and i was like oh my god chelsea's here and then i was like wait no we're all there it it just it's not her (laughs) Um, i wish that would have been amazing what a great story (laughs) i've been like hold I'm like, holy crap, what's up, dude? <laughs> um, I do have family there, so you never know. It could be me. Oh, yeah, maybe. I'm pretty sure it wasn't you, though. But <laughs> Well, it's... Uh, we'll never know now. Yeah, that's true. And you'll never tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's it's so great to see Harley be embraced by, by the fandom the way she has. Um, mm-hmm. Because the, there are... There are so many characters that have been created, you know, in all of comics, you know, and and Batman, you know, this being Batman's 80th anniversary, what I'm really going to what I really have been thinking about a lot is Batman has this wonderful legacy of characters um, that, you know, most other characters don't really have, you know, uh, there's some of them try to have it. I mean, sure, like Green Arrow has has kids and uh you know now mm-hmm. superman has a son um but you know but batman's the one that there's something about him you know but you know all the robins still exist you know there's batwoman there's batgirl there's you know uh there's there's newer characters that 
have somehow still stood the test of time. And Harley's, you know, she's, uh, you know, Bat- Batman's 80. She's 27, I want to say, 27, <laughs> 27. Yeah. And, but, you know, she, but it feels like she's been there from the beginning. Um, you know, and that's, and that says a lot about the, like her staying power as a character. Um, and. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, um, I don't know if you, have you ever read the, the Batman 66 digital comics? I started, I never got to finish them. I felt, I, I they're on my list, but no, I did start them. There's, there's a, it's, it, they were really great because they really did feel like episodes of a TV show. Um, like, they, yeah. Like I could hear Adam West in my head reading it. Um, and it was great that they, they found ways to incorporate Harley Quinn and even a character like Bane in, mm-hmm. into, into those, and but keep them in the style of the 66 show. Um, and I, I thought that was so cool. And I, I, I read the Harley ones and, you know, she's like on roller skates and she's, you know, teasing Batman and Robin and she's more of a, you know, especially in the spirit of the show, more of a, a jester, or an annoying prankster rather than like, you know, a murderer or anything. Yeah. Very uh, in the style of 66 too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it definitely sounds to me the way you're describing Harley, you're, uh, you, you definitely prefer Harley being kind of the, the hero over being the villain character. Yes and no. I, I, I enjoy seeing her in either rendition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that there's always going to be that, even when she is quote-unquote the villain, there is that sense of hero in it. Like, um, oh my gosh, the, the title of the... I will come to me in a moment. But the episode from Batman Animated Series where she tries to do the... She tries to... She kidnaps Batman to try to make the piranha smile. Oh, yeah, that that's mad love. Yeah. Yes, thank you. I was like, I'm like, what is this? I was like, it's on the tip of my tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, they, like, in that one, they, they literally show she's doing trying to do the right thing, mm-hmm. even if it is in something evil. Right. And I think that that's the part that I, th- I have always, I think, is the most appealing about her. It is unlike kind of like you said in the very beginning, unlike Wonder Woman, she. Is doing with best intentions, mm-hmm. but sometimes they're just the wrong decisions. Right, and it's uh, you know, she all she really wants is to is to settle down with the Joker, and mm-hmm. and you know, and she's convinced herself that Batman's the one that keeps getting in the way. Um, where kind of the the weird irony of it is that if Batman went away, that you know what what's going to happen to the Joker? You know, he'd probably go even more crazy you know oh absolutely she unhinged mm-hmm. i think i think she also kind of grounds him a little bit too yeah and it, it was i always thought it was really great that you know the, especially the way mark hamill played the joker he could play him as kind of the more annoying prankster or he could play him as like a murdering psychopath and you could buy either version um mm-hmm. and arlene sorkin i think she there, there were hints of menace with her, but I think for the most part, uh, what did I say? Part? I meant part. Uh, <laughs> uh, she, uh, we can edit that. I always say that, but then I, but then I never do. I'm just like, oh, we're going to edit that, and I, I don't do it. No, we're flawed. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it all comes around. Um, but, you know, Arlene Sorkin really 
you know, there was, despite, you know, sometimes having a hint of menace, she always, for the most part, sounded very innocent, just very playful. And so there's there's sort of a mystery there. Like, is she, is Harley really that bad? You know, especially in the early episodes, it's like, well, no, she's hench girl to the Joker. She's probably a bad guy. Um, but yeah. she brought a uh, kind of, you know, like that sense of mystery or, or innocence that was like, I don't know, there's something there that's, you know, like, what, what's, what's she all about? Yeah, I think that that's why also a lot of people were drawn to her, because I remember in an interview they were saying that, like, she was just supposed to kind of be a one-off character. Like, she was never supposed to be what she is. Mm-hmm. And people just kept wanting her because there, there was something, like, exactly what you're saying. Like, you just didn't know what was her story. Like, why is she there? Right. Because of that exact reason, she just kind of didn't seem. She enjoyed doing the, the, quote unquote evil things, but I even then it was there was always that sense of just. I don't want to say childlike, but for like I guess naivete when it came to all the things that she did. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like, well, why? And it, it, it just kind of boiled down to I think eventually they realized it was because of her being completely enamored with the Joker. Right. Uh, but you didn't know, you didn't get to know that until you kind of, they started to fully flesh out everything about her. Cause you know, they, I don't, they can say that we all knew what was going to happen towards the end, but I don't know if she was as fully fleshed out when they first made her. And mm-hmm. then to start to see like, Oh, well, if you think about it this way and that way. And so that sense of mystery allowed, I think so much of her, currently to mm-hmm. become part of her character her canon essentially you know what i'm realizing now uh, as we're talking uh when i said that harley is you know has this staying power and it feels like she's been there since the beginning you know 80 years ago even though she hasn't been um i'm kind of realizing now the reason for that is she's a strong enough character that she works on her own you know <laughs> and the best batman villains uh, best Batman characters, I should say, have their the reason they've stuck around is because they they work on their own. Um, they if you can tell a story with Harley that doesn't have anything to do with Joker, doesn't have anything to do with Batman, and you know, and nowadays she's not even in Gotham City anymore. She's yeah. uh, she's in Coney Island uh, with the Sam Humphreys arc that's going on, and he's been great with the character. Um, I finally, I finally cracked down and bought it. I was so, I've been so bitter about it, but I, <laughs> because I just loved Jimmy and Amanda's were in a rendition, and then I was like, finally, I was like, okay, I bought volume six of the to finish that arc, and then I was like, okay, I'm gonna read it now because the costume is fan- like the same that costume, and I was like, I need it, I want to read it, yeah. I need to see it. Yeah, I, I was like, you, this should be your new cosplay, the the armor Harley when she's on. Apocalypse. Yeah, I. I cannot wait to read it because yeah. I did actually end up, I really did end up drawing post Amanda and Jimmy, but I was just so bitter at first because they were just perfect. And then they're coming back. So I was like, I have to read it. Now. Anyways, that was just my side, side story. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know, it does, it does tie in because you know, that, that was her arc outside of, of Batman and Joker, you know, where she could build her own supporting cast and she could be a lead character and that's what mm-hmm. allows her to have staying power, um, and, and and that's and that's what makes 
you know, any character great, you know, they, you know, I mean, even going to like Dick Grayson, you know, he was one of the, he was the first kid sidekick and he has staying power because he was a strong enough character that they could tell stories about him growing up and being Nightwing and, and he works on his own, you know, without Batman and just, yeah. like, just like Harley works w- without Batman or the Joker um, or even Gotham City. And I, and it's, it's really great, you know, it, but you know, the funny thing <laughs> to go back to what you said, you know, you were bitter about uh, Jimmy and Amanda leaving. Um, I, I was that way when it, I'm that way when it's, when it wasn't Paul Dini for the longest time, mm. I was just like, no, yeah. I was like, nobody else can write her. Nobody else gets her. And it was just, there was no reason for me to think that other than just being ignorant. And, but then, you know, reading these other stories, I'm like, no, they, they get her. They, they're, she's fine. But, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not that she's not, uh, say she's an easy character, mm-hmm. but to write, cause I don't think she is. Cause I think that you can definitely go way over the top when it comes to, but it's very interesting to see the different ways people write her because yeah. Suicide Squad the version of the movie is drastically different than Jimmy and Amanda, which is drastically different than Paul Dini, mm-hmm. but they all still are the same, yeah. which is what I think is just so, in- they're just rooted in something completely different. Yeah. That's, that's her staying power as a character. Yeah. And it's, a uh, you know, it's, and that's the thing. She's, she's such a strong enough character that, you know, she's, you know, they're doing the, the animated series on DC Universe, which I'm really excited uh-huh. to see. Um, and, you know, she's, you know, she's been a comic book star for, I mean, for years. She's had her own comic for years. Uh, I think I think the first comic was written by Chuck Dixon in the late 90s, early 2000s, something like that. Because um, she was introduced, <clears throat> excuse me, in the DC Universe proper as opposed to the animated series. Uh, mm-hmm. through the No Man's Land arc in the, I think that was the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and and again, she just, like I said before, she fit right in as if she'd been there the whole time. And and it's like, well, look at her now. She's she's a, she's a movie star, you know, that's awesome. Um, and I'm really excited to see her interact with, you know, the other, other female characters in, in Birds of Prey you know, with, uh, Incredibly, yeah, yeah, the black canary and, uh, and Huntress. And, um, that first, uh, it was funny that first trailer they, they released, I, I was reading, I saw reviews on Twitter where people would be like, why are they even calling it birds of prey? It should just be called the Harley Quinn movie. And I was like, I was like, all right, well, Harley Quinn is obviously the selling point. I mean, if you watch the trailer for the first Avengers movie, the, Tony Stark gets the yeah. The limelight, but that's a two-minute trailer versus a two-hour movie, um, and I'm sure that these characters will get their get their due in the movie itself. And yeah, I, I hope so because as much as I want, I would love um, a Harley another Harley Quinn movie. Mm-hmm. I not that I I don't think that it would be as interesting, but I think the thing that I love about Harley is not her sidekicks. They wouldn't call them sidekicks, but the company she keeps yeah. is also what truly makes her because I think if you look at uh, just from Jimmy and Amanda's run, they have um, her whole entire Coney Island tenants and the freak show and the burlesque show and her roller derby. And you have the gang of Harleys and like you have, you have poison Ivy Catwoman, 
you have all the people that she hangs out with that I think also make who she is. And so I think that, and I know that people are like really upset because she didn't find the birds of prey. And like, I get that whole entire argument, but I think that it's just the fact that it's a, it's a well-known name and whether it'll be, I don't think that, I don't know. I don't think they're trying to change the fact that like she is not the original founder of birds of prey, but I think that it's going to be an amazing way to introduce people to these characters who they may or may not have any knowledge of. Right. Because I think that's kind of to some extent what happened. Not that people had no idea who Harley Quinn was, but like they didn't know they didn't really get they that was their first meeting of her on the big screen. Yeah. And in, in Suicide Squad. Yeah. And so like you know I don't know. That's what I loved because Margot Robbie was saying like she wanted to share this. She wants to share the screen mm-hmm. with other amazing female actresses. And so I think that they're going to be, it won't just be the Harley Quinn movie. It's right. going to be truly be the birds of prey or whatever we want to call them. But I, I don't know. I'm very excited. about it. I, I, I am too. You know, and I'm, I had a friend accuse me of being kind of a, a sucker for all things DC and, and, and I kind of am, but you know, but it's, but it's because, you know, I grew up with these characters and I, I felt weirdly, you know, I mean, the, the joke I always make is like kids today are so spoiled when it comes to comic book movies and comic book properties in general. You know, when I was a kid, we had to wait three years for every Batman movie and we had no idea if it was going to be good or not. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, uh, so when, you know, people go on and on about how great the Marvel movies are, I, I just kind of, I slump my shoulders a little bit. I'm like, well, DC's great too, you know? It's just yeah. when, you know, your main ex- the main exposure is probably the the, you know, the Arrowverse shows, uh, which all of them are, you know, I most of them at least uh, are, you know, I, I love to death. And, but, uh, you know, and then seeing somebody like, like Harley Quinn, I'm just like, you know, when they they announced Suicide Squad and they show the cast, I hadn't actually seen uh, Margot Robbie in anything. So I was excited. I was like, okay, I, I don't know her. So that means there's a clean slate going into this movie. And... Well, she definitely was still, yeah, she was still pretty new. Like, she had Wolf of Wall Street, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had done other stuff, but that was like kind of the, the high she was riding in on. Right. And it, yeah, I, I think that. I, she was so to some extent she was still relatively new, and it was nice that they didn't put just somebody with a face, right, in, and, or with a name, I guess, in that role. You know, I think that that goes back to, you know, I I watched this documentary about the the Dark Knight movies, where it seems that when they were making the original Batman movies with you know Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher, it was like, well, let's get let's get like established movie stars to play these characters. You know, so that explains why, you know, uh, like Jack Nicholson was cast and Danny DeVito, Arnold Schwarzenegger, because they're big drawn names. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the less said about that, the better. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, and then when The Dark Knight came along, you know, or I'm, I'm sorry, uh, well, the first one was obviously Batman Begins. When that one came sure, along. Sure, yeah. Uh, the trilogy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Christopher Nolan was like, well, you know, we can cast people that, actors that people know 
somebody like Morgan Freeman or Liam Neeson um, that are that people know but aren't quote unquote movie stars. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I I'm glad that that's the trend we see now. Um, you know, and I I remember you know this off, off topic obviously, but when Chris <laughs> when Chris Evans was cast as Captain America, I was like, that's a terrible choice. He he's I saw him in a bunch of comedies. I was like, mm-hmm. he can't be Captain America. And then I went and saw the movie, and I was like, uh, nope, I was wrong, hundred percent wrong. He was yeah. perfect. And and it was nice seeing that with like Harley's first scene in Suicide Squad when she's kind of flirting with the uh, the guard, and then you see kind of the flashback when she's you know with the Joker, and mm-hmm. you know he's like, oh, we got company, and she's like, Batsy, Batsy, Bats. I just screamed. I was like, that's Harley. <laughs> I literally got chilled. I remember that I went with a group, a large group of people, and everyone looked at me, and I was just in awe. Yeah. I was like, well, yes, there the movie had flaws, and there were was way too much going on, but mm-hmm. I genuinely feel like the performances in that movie. But especially, like, the performance of Harley was just, it, it was really well-founded. Like, mm-hmm. I think that it was that it felt very real. Because I I was at first also nervous about the fact that she wasn't so dramatic with the uh, New York accent. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's gonna, uh. And then, like, the whole entire argument about they're gonna over-sexualize her. Which I don't think you can with Harley, personally. But, like, it, I think it was just the right amount of sex. It was the right amount of sass. It was It was just everything. Uh, it was so good. I yeah. got chills. It was exactly what you said. Like, that was Harley to yeah. me. It, it, you know, and, and that, me coming from the animated series, that's what it felt like to me. I felt like I was watching a live-action, you know, scene from that. Um, and I love that, you know, it, you know she goes, they joker jumps out of the car she she goes off the bridge and batman jumps after her and she tries to stab him he just punches her <laughs> just, yeah. i just i just laughed i was like i yes that's you know just just in those you know few couple of minutes i was like okay like i'm on board um yeah and even uh and even later it's kind of heartbreaking when the enchantress shows them everything they want to see and it's just her in a normal life with the joker and and people kind of gave you know gave some flack about that scene like oh you know harley doesn't want that i was like have you ever read a harley comic like yeah you know when she was all about the joker that's exactly what she wanted you know Mm -hmm. she she wanted a normal life i mean they have that whole entire uh version of it when she has the baby and the the 1950s housewife like they that's that i don't the thing i loved about particularly about the and whether that's Margot Robbie or whether that's the writing was I truly felt like any you could look at any version of the comics mm-hmm. and find that in the movie right when it came to particularly Harley Quinn I felt like it was very much like you had you could look at a comic like ah I see that here mm-hmm. and like especially now with Suicide Squad or uh, Birds of Prey there's so many little Easter eggs and callbacks to the comics. It's just, it's really nice because sometimes I get very, when it comes to the movies and to all of that, like it's very easy for people to forget that these things started as comic books. Yeah. 
And so to have little Easter eggs that it would make you want to go read the comics that this stuff was based on, because I think that that's, that should be the goal of superhero movies and comic book movies is to make, to bring you back to what the base is. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I do, I do think that to some extent in a sad note, like comic books are dying to, because books in general are dying. And so it's just, yeah. it's just something that I, I hope people will see that that's the, the work that's in there so that no one will go. I just think it was really smart that no one will go from the movie to the comic book and be disappointed because they'll be like, these are completely different characters. Right. It'll be like, I see what this was like. You can find it in there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chelsea, this has been an absolute blast. I'm so glad, you know, we got to do this today. Um, yeah, me too. So uh, do you want to do a plug for your uh, your Twitch show? Oh, my gosh, yes. That would be actually amazing. So um, every, I guess now it's Wednesday. So every Wednesday we stream a Dungeons & Dragons show. Uh, it's called The Natural Ones. It's on Twitch at twitch.tv natural underscore ones. And it's an actual play Dungeons and Dragons show where it's based on the five E rules, but there's a lot of homebrew spice in there. So it's, we would love if you guys get a chance to watch totally not related to comic books, but still tons of fun. So if you like fantasy and you like just having a good time, feel free to come and watch us. That's awesome. I, I'm, I'm excited to watch it. I, I've seen little clips that you guys have shared on you or uh, uh, on Twitter, and it's it is it's an undertaking. I will say so. We do have it on podcast if it's easier to listen that way because it's it's a they're long. You know, if anyone who ever plays Sons and Dragons knows, it's incredibly long. So, mm-hmm. but if everyone gets a chance, I appreciate you letting me mention that. Yeah, of course. You know, um, well, Chelsea. Well, you know, this has been great. You know, did you, did you have a good time? I had an amazing time. I was really nervous, as I'm sure you are very aware. I was so nervous. I was like, oh, my God. So I, I had a really great time. It's just, I just love talking about Harley. Like, I think that not that there's always something I can learn from other people, but it's just very interesting to always hear. No, I guess that is it. I can always learn something about her because someone always says something different from her. Yeah. So I love talking about her. Well, that's great. And I'm I'm glad you had a good time. We'll definitely have to have you back. We'll find another topic for you. Um, oh my god, please! Yeah, especially after the movie comes out, maybe we'll do a review or something. That would I'm be counting cool. down the days. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's so close now. February, right? Oh my gosh, it's um, so close. I I have watched the I've watched the trailer on repeat. I'm probably like a million of those views, but <laughs> I I cannot wait. Oh yeah, I I think it's going to be great. I'm excited for it. Uh, well, Chelsea, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, of course, thank you. And to all of you out there, you know, have fun, be safe, but not too safe. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I, just, I, I don't have a, I don't have a sign off yet. I'll figure it out one day. I, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little dangerous. I like it. Ooh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, folks, have a good one. Bye bye. <laughs>